When I went to Natalie Boone's PD on movement and learning at Reza, one of the big ahas for me was about the fawning response to trauma. I knew fight, flight, freeze, but fawning was new to me. As she described it, though, an image snapped right into my mind of a child who knew how to placate a dysregulated adult in their life. I think all of us have some experience with this, but teachers especially so. A lot of people drawn to this work excel in it as a performative art. We assume the role of teacher like a mask. That's how Dr. Boone describes it. We talked about this some in the episode, and it's something to be mindful of as we're thinking about ways to make this job more relational, more sustainable, and better for kids learning, remembering that we are both kids and teachers, humans, and we need connection, authentic connection and movement in the classroom. Dr. Boone started as a PE teacher in Haywood County Schools. She went on to get two PhDs, one in kinesiology and one in educational leadership. Now she's an associate professor at Mars Hill. She works with students there and with teachers at RESA and at NCAT. You can check on the NCAT website. She's got several things coming up. Our discussion opens with us talking about a game she teaches called Gotcha. I'm happy to come out and teach your class gotcha, but here's a better offer. Dr. Boone will come out and talk to the staff at your school. Oh, and there's an Easter egg in this episode, and it's on the Praxis test. Let me know what you think. Here's Dr. Natalie Boone. It was really Thank actionable. You. I'm doing gotcha all over the district. Oh, it's the students the, love it. Yeah, and it's the easiest thing to show. It's like a low threshold of entry. Yeah, they're all doing it. They all love it. It's exciting. It's social skills it teaches them how to laugh and shoot off some good endorphins so it's yep. it, you know it's beneficial for the student and the teacher yeah yeah and they give um, that teacher a little bit of time like all you got to do is say ready and gotcha while you're like getting your materials for the next session or yes. setting up or all, you have to have two words ready and gotcha yeah anyway the um it helps when you stick your tongue out a little <laughs> <laughs> but th that you can show teachers they'll be silent when they're yeah, trying to do they this. want it, they're really thinking about it. Yep. Yep. This is off topic, but one of my dissertations was on movement in the classroom and I studied kinesthetic desk and tables and chairs, oh. like seating arrangements in schools. Yeah. And I, I did some focus groups and interviews with my little um, first grade teachers and fourth grade teachers and one fourth grade, I think it was fourth grade teacher said, it really amazes me that I can tell when they're pretend silent reading and when they're really silent reading, mm -hmm. when they're pedaling those bikes, because when they're really reading their pedal, their pedal is really slow. And the, oh. but when the kids were pretending, they'd just pedal away and flip the pages and it yeah. wouldn't, and she could tell, she's like, I would, I would be able to go over and, you know, talk to that kid and say, slow your pedal down, make sure you're reading this book. But your focus, I was, I was amazed. I was like, oh my God, it really does work. That's a great tell. Yeah. It was really cool. Mm. Well, I have three big questions for you today. Oh goodness. Okay. And these <laughs> are the ones I emailed you. So no, nothing, uh, no, no gotchas. We're like three weeks from final exam. So. Oh, well, this will be, <laughs> be all ready then. Um, so the first one is, I just want to talk about PE teachers because they do have that superpower. They could, they always can connect with the most difficult kids. Um, and did you start as a PE teacher? I did, yeah. I taught elementary PE in um, Haywood County for maybe 11 or 12 years. I lost count. I think between 11 and 12. 11 years. and 12. So talk, can you talk to me about your experience being, I assume you had the experience everyone else did, where you can you connect with the kids that are 
challenging for everybody. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I say it's because I was like the gifted, awesome teacher, but I think it's because in the world of PE, we actually have always taught social skills as well as Mm -hmm. like whole child learning. So we allow them to move and wiggle and the kids that usually get in trouble um, or maybe not in trouble, but they give the students, I mean, the teachers a a rough time in the classroom Mm -hmm. um, is because they have a lot of boundaries placed on them like super maybe strict boundaries, sit in your desk, don't wiggle, stop making noise, stop fidgeting. Mm-hmm. All the things that that kid is trying to do is to learn and comprehend what the teacher's telling them and the teacher's not letting them wiggle and learn the way they need to. Mm-hmm. But in the gym, you know, in the world of physical education, it's come in, get this ball, bounce it, run around, let's jump up and down. You know, we're doing all the different motions in which our brain waves are supposed to work. Probably the same students trying to do in the classroom and then when they get picked on maybe by other students because they're making noises you know teachers don't usually pick on the kids they just ask them to be still or be quiet or stop bouncing or I think when when it gets to that the students who really need to wiggle can't wiggle and then they get frustrated because they get called on to stop doing what their body really needs them to do in order to learn. So they're trying to learn, but the teacher's like cutting it off, not knowing. It's, and it's just the fact that teachers, mo- most of our teachers don't get a neuroscience class. They have mm-hmm. no idea typically. I mean, they know a little bit about the brain. They probably know some child psychology and, you know, adolescent development, which is all great. But the neuroscience behind our pathways is really what we're trying to do as teachers is to change those pathways and make mm-hmm. better connections in our brains. So in, in my experience, it's just been the fact that we allow them in the in the physical education world to move and our breaks for stillness are really short. Mm-hmm. Like they're still enough just to listen to some direction and then they're moving again. So they're they're learning through that movement and they're, you know, they're allowed to move. Um, I had several students um, and several teachers who like were really, really um, highly triggered sometimes shadowed students, you know, like they had a shadow with them, a teacher Mm -hmm. shadow Mm -hmm. um, that would, that knew just off the bat. If, if I'm feeling really high, uh, Miss Boone said, you know, it's Miss Boone back then. So Miss Boone said I could come in her gym and punch the punching bag, Mm -hmm. or I could come in the gym and run laps around the gym. Even if I had a class and made a deal with those students, if you're feeling like this, and, and, you know, I have a safe place for you to come and let that out in the right way. And, you know, a student, I had a couple of students who did it. And to begin with, they took advantage of it almost. They would come like on a, on a daily basis, a couple of times. And then it started weaning off where they were just coming occasionally. They didn't have to tell me they were there. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have to call advance. They just, I just knew if they came in the room, you know, in the gym, they knew what they needed to do. And I told them they could do it as long as they didn't interrupt my class. And it worked phenomenally well when they would, you know, they would go back to class and the teacher was like, I don't know what you do with him, but he comes back and he settles down and he's ready to learn for another hour or two. Yeah. And when I see him spiking, I ask him to go back to the gym. Um, so That's brilliant. Yeah. PE teachers are brilliant. They are. They are. That's more than cones and That's shorts. Right. That is exactly right. It's more than rolling the basketball out and throwing balls at each other. Yeah. You know, a lot of people think that, and that, that's just the reputation that, that PE teachers have had for years is 
we have the fun job. We do have the fun job. You know, we get to teach, but we have a massive curriculum just like everybody else that Mm -hmm. we have to teach. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing it right, it's fun, but it's hard. Yeah. I was on a Reddit page and someone was talking about football. We should cut football. And I was like, man, that is one of the biggest incentives for a lot of hard to reach kids to keep coming to school. You really do that at your own peril. I would never entertain it. You tell me if I'm wrong about this. I'm older than you are, but I remember having gym more often than kids have it now. Yeah. Um, Most on a, on a good schedule, see them every, you know, twice a day, maybe in elementary school. Twice a week or? Yeah, twice a week's what yeah. I meant. Every yeah. Day. Um, our students need some kind of activity, whether it be like a high school yoga class or team sports or fun backyard activities, lifetime skills that they can do forever and ever, just an, a way to get that energy out. That if, they you, need. if you could do anything you wanted to, say a high school campus, what would you do? I would probably implement a yoga class. It's activity and they're moving, mm-hmm. but it's also mindfulness and calmness. Mm. We have so many students who are so anxious. Breath work and meditation is huge because you can get your body to do a whole lot just if it responds to the breath that comes in and out. Focusing on where you send that um, inside of you, it can really do a lot of calming effects on students. That seems like it would be a pretty easy lift. Yeah. So when did it become less? When? Why did we? Why did we go from like gym all the time? I was like, it was kickball. Yeah, <laughs> all the time. Unstructured, a lot of movement. It was like now a lot of movement. I think typically right now, um, and when I was in the administrator world, um, it seemed as if students either had physical education class or recess, but never both. Right. That's a thing. And now, and and why? Why can't I we don't know? Class? Because we have to cram math and reading down their throats so much that right. I mean we're cramming these things in and not to say they're not important they need those things but they right. need and some activity because it would be easier to get those things in yeah, they would learn them. Yeah, yeah absolutely state mandates that we can't have them in there um mm-hmm. every single day and we don't have the manpower I had 500 students roughly in my elementary school um, I saw everybody twice a week mm-hmm. one day 30 minutes one day 45 one day a week I had a double classes to see everybody because and I had a helper come in from a different school I had with one elementary PE teacher it's just yeah. are we making PE teachers slowly yeah the okay. field of education I think as a whole right now yeah it's on a decline higher ed we're not seeing as many people yeah um, in this last class I get all the PE teacher ed preparatory students like those who are going for that at Mars Hill and I think I just recently got maybe four or five okay. this group, which is great because we usually don't have that many coming in, um, at least interested in, in pursuing that path. Typically what happens is we start with that number and it drops because of the Praxis 1 test. Because <gasps> you have to pass the Praxis 1 to get admitted to the teacher ed program. And oh, that, the Praxis 1. Not the content level, okay. but the pre-Praxis 1 that students have to take and yeah. pass get in a it's usually the money to take the test either gets mm. them or they can't pass one part of that test and then they can't get into teacher ed then they lose their dream of becoming a teacher and we all know that i gotta write that down before we go any further that money is on for praxis tests is an obstacle because i i will forget and it's like boy that's another thing that i'm like we could solve that 
we could get what is it like 150 bucks to take the praxis yeah and that's the you know praxis one praxis two when they get after they finished with us and they take their content level praxis they, mm -hmm. they don't want to do that because they know they're paying for that to get their teacher license right um, it's just that initial one that they have to pay, especially if they fail it, then they have to retake it and repay for it. And it yeah. just makes it really hard for some students to think, you know, I don't want to take this three times to get into teacher ed. It's usually not GPA related. It's not the fact that they are not good students. It's they're not good test takers or they have massive test anxiety mm. and they can't pull off a, a passing score. Hmm. I'm writing that down. Okay. You're so good with like activities and things to say. Oh, Do you have script or certain phrases that you can recommend to teachers who are working to improve their abilities to connect and make relationship with kids? Do you have things you always say? Um, sometimes, so I guess it depends. Probably yet is my favorite. Mm. The word yet. I call students a bunch of yetis. A bunch of yetis. Um, I call them a bunch of yetis because the our students these days think, you know, I'm not good enough for this. This is too hard. I can't do this. I mean, yeah. that's here a lot. Yeah. Self-efficacy is like the number one thing we're yes. working on right now. Yes. And everything they say, I say, yet, you can't do that yet. You're not strong enough for that yet. Just not there yet. It's my job to get you there. Right. And together we're going to get there. So I call students, even my college students, I call them a bunch of yetis. I love that. Um, students just expect like, Instant, instant mastery yeah yeah and they need to know that they're that you have to work at this stuff that, yeah. that it's hard and you're not going to be a superstar at all of it but you're going to find your superstardom out there you're going to find what you click with and i'm going to help you find what you click with and then we're going to run with it you know if they're like well reading's going to make me a better football player yeah. and we show them why you know they're going to be like okay well i'm going to read because i want to be a better football player mm -hmm. or i want to be a musician so i need to no physics or whatever. I mean, you can tie anything to any content if you really work. If you're really into it and you work hard enough, you can totally get there. And um, that's getting to your relationship with your kids yeah. and giving them the compelling why. Yeah. Um, I really try to talk positive with most of my students and just tell them, you know, how smart they are and how hard they're working or, you know, I appreciate, you know, and I say, I appreciate that you come to class and that you're putting forth the effort and that you're actually working towards this and, I try to encourage them to speak out. I'm not a raise your hand kind of teacher. Mm. Like a, yeah, let's just speak freely. This is mm. an open forum. Unless I ask them, you know, and occasionally I might say, for this one, let's raise our hand if we know the answer. Mm -hmm. And I never, ever, ever call on a student to answer me for anything. Like, I'm not going to say, uh, Jackie, please answer this question. Mm -hmm. Because Jackie might be that kid when she hears her name or he hears her, his name mm -hmm. that immediately goes, oh, my God, I'm in trouble. Oh, yeah. Or, oh, my gosh. I don't even know what she's talking about. Yeah. Or I know the answer, but I don't want to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about or I don't want to sound too smart in front of my classmates. Mm -hmm. or, we have no idea what goes through their head. Yeah. Um, and, and they'll talk when they're ready, I think. Um, you have to build that rapport. And I think my other one is just being real and human with them. I do an interview session. I don't know if I told you. You did. Yeah. Tell it again though. I do it between in, in every single class I teach. And I think if I did it in an elementary world, when I was back teaching physical education, it would have made a huge difference. I think if I had an opportunity to go back, I would have an interview session with them 
How do you do that? How do you start it? I can only imagine like what a five-year-old would ask me. Oh yeah. It might freak me out a little bit, but, um, <laughs> what do you um do? it's usually day two of class. Okay. Um, so the first day of class I meet with them and I get to know who they are. They tell me, you know, that I'm, I'm an athlete and I'm on the football team and I'm in a business major or whatever. Um, we go over the expectations of class and the syllabus and all that you know, jazz that you do the first day of class. And then when they leave class the first day, I tell them the second day of class, um, their homework is to go back home and come up with two questions to ask me the next time we get together. Mm. And I tell them they can ask anything they want about the class, how I grade, how I teach, what the expectations are, anything that's on the syllabus that they still have questions about that we didn't cover. Mm -hmm. Or they can ask me anything personal that they want to know about me. And then I tell them, you know, you're not limited to two, but everybody in the class has to ask two questions. Um, and then I give them an out, not really an out. Um, but I tell them, I said, if you are not comfortable asking the question in person, mm -hmm. you can email it to me before class starts so that I can pull it up and I'll have them to answer. Because we have some students who just don't want to ask. They don't want to talk. Yeah. Right. But the goal of that interview session is. One, to have them think about what they really want to know about me or this class, to give them an opportunity to talk. And it opens up a good discussion. It makes connections between the students and myself. And it helps them to see that I'm approachable as a person. I do tell them I have the right to deny answering any question they might mm -hmm. ask, but I'm teaching college level students. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not, the first time I did it, I was like, oh my God, I have no idea what they're going to ask me. Like, whew, I was a little freaked out and nervous. But I've not gotten any really inappropriate questions, really, really nothing that's shocked me um, that I was like prepared to get, you know, mm -hmm. and goes to all kinds of things. That mm -hmm. they might oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, they want to know who my favorite college team is and what mm. I like to do outside of work and what's my favorite food and where's my favorite place to go in Asheville. And, um, why am I a teacher? You mm -hmm. know, why did I choose Mars Hill? How did I get there? Do you have any kids? What do you do when you go home? And I'm like, mm. and I go home and sit on the couch and read a book and decompress from the day. Yeah. Um, you humanize I, yourself to them. Yeah, I do. I, I am a hundred percent human with them and probably, I don't know, three or four years ago, I probably wouldn't have been so human with them because I came from the public education world and it's drilled in public education teachers. And I am a, advocate for teachers fully, but it's drilled in us as teachers that we don't get to be human in our mm -hmm. classrooms, right? We have to be superhuman. Everything's great in life. Nothing ever happens to us yeah. kind of people because that's what our students need. And I think it's, it's just the opposite. I think it's so, so important for our students to see us as human so that we can make those connections. Cause we know that our students do not have perfect lives No, and they need to know that they can approach us with something and we're not going to like fall apart. We're not going to judge them for yeah. anything and that we're safe people for them to come and talk to. They don't have the coping skills to handle everything that's being thrown at them. No, so, no. I think, I think that our, this uh, pretense that we've been entertaining for so long is that yeah. this is not sustainable. Yeah. We can't, we can't just live in this everybody's happy society when we're, 
because that's what they look at our teachers and they're like, wow, they drive these nice cars and they wear these nice clothes and they always look like they're put together. And some days I go in, my hair is a disaster. And I'm like, I got the wrong textbook for the wrong class. And my students are like, are you okay today? And I'm like, you know, my coffee spilt in the car on the way up here. It's all over me. It's all over the floorboard, you know? And I just tell them, I'm like, this is, this is the way it is. Yeah. I've been really messed up this morning. I've had a rough day. And then I'm like, Does, has anybody ever had days like that? Please somebody make me feel better about myself. And then they start sharing about all of the crazy things that happen in their life. And it's just, it makes me feel, it, it, it really, really changes the rapport of our, of our class. It makes them feel more open to talk. I mean, we talk about anything that comes to their mind. And if it's not on my docket in the lesson plan that day, we go with it. Mm -hmm. Because I'm thinking if that student has the guts to ask me a question that's not on the docket, they really need to, they really need to know some answers to it. And yeah. I'm going to open it up and we'll see. We, we chase rabbit holes all the time, but we always come back to what, whatever it is, the content. I'm like, okay, well, we only got part of that. We'll try to get the rest next time. But here's what we learned, right? And we yeah. have this person and this person. And it's it's typically not just one student that needs to hear that rabbit hole chase. There's a lot of them that need to that need to hear it. Yeah, I think my big learning as a, a teacher in the last 20 years and being in one community for 20 years is that my when I meet an adult that I had, I and I'll remember like, oh, you were the year I did that big electricity unit. They don't remember the content. Yeah. It's only the process that matters. It's only the humanity. Yeah. And we need to be more human to our students. I mean, they need to know. You know, they'll ask me, do you go to church? I'm like, yeah, I go to this church and I do this and this with the church. Where are you going this weekend? Well, I went to this Christian concert, you know, and five years ago, I would have been afraid to say that in the public education world because I'd have mm -hmm. been like, I can't talk about my church and my school at the same time. But now I'm like, you know, we are human. And yeah. if they don't want to hear it, they, they can block it out. Yeah. I'm not or, pushing it on them. I'm there. I'm answering a question. They asked. Like, yeah. I'm not hiding it from them. I remember I'm, being in uh, answering a question. teacher college. I had a professor who said, you shouldn't tell your kids your real first name. And even I, as like a 22 year old, I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> because why? I don't know. I don't know, but it's the performative piece that yeah. I should be like a, a, a just a facade of a human. Yeah, yeah, and I think nowadays we're we're competing with um, we're we have so much social media out there, and the students need to know. And I think the more we talk about it, people post the good parts on social media. Oh yeah. What kind of world would we live in if everybody like posted real life on social media? Like, if you woke up and snapped a picture of yourself first thing in the morning with your hair all messy, this mm -hmm. is me. This is who I am. But relationship building with students in the right way, right? It it's been frowned upon for years. Like you can't oh, yeah. can't build relationship and rapport with your students. But our students need that. You're you're doing great work and I so appreciate you talking with I'm, me today. I'm trying. Thanks so much, Dr. Boone. Of course. Thank you. I'll let you go. Thank you so much. You've Thank answered you. all my questions and more. And it was a really great training. And oh, I'm good. Movement in the classroom. I love it. Like yeah. I can do that with my eyes closed with no prep, but yeah, a year ago, God was like, you're going to talk about social, emotional, and trauma in school. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm so the most intimate possible thing. Yeah. I'm like, I'm under, you know, me, I was like, I'm not qualified for this. It is interesting how things happen that way. And 
my first group, I told him, I'm like, you guys are my first group and I'm not going to lie to you. I am scared to death. I hate emotion. <laughs> and that's all we're going to talk about this whole week. And I hate all.